Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And as always, I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is my online holistic nutrition certification course, which is designed to take a student from the basics of natural nutrition all the way to the most cutting-edge areas of integrative health and lifestyle transformation. This program is really unlike anything else that's ever been available on the internet featuring a comprehensive 70-video lesson curriculum, 55 bonus videos, a student community support group, and a monthly live video training with me personally, which is like doing a coaching session with me and hundreds of students from all over the world each and every month. This program has received incredible reviews and feedback from students of all backgrounds and all educational levels, such as the budding health experts and professionals to longtime holistic wellness enthusiasts, all the way to the complete beginner. There seems to be a lot here to offer to virtually everyone who has a keen interest in learning how to optimize their body, mind, and spirit through redesigning what they believe is possible, not only for their health, but ultimately for their life and the lives of those around them. And one more thing that sets this course apart from all others is that once you enroll, there are no hidden fees, no limitations on the content that you can access up front, and no time restrictions. This means that once you purchase the program, it is yours period. End of story. There's no six or 12 month time limitations with a continuation fee waiting for you at the end. This is a go at your own pace course that you can continue to access as a lifelong resource that will prove to be an investment into your education, into your health and into your personal growth that will bear fruit for years to come. So you can find more information and enroll into the Holistic Health Mastery Program at www.holistichealthmastery.com. Okay, so let's dive into today's show with my good friend and colleague, Michael Bedar. And I first met Michael Bedar a while back in the Bay Area, Northern California, when I was first starting my speaking career and really getting a footing in kind of what direction I wanted to take with this health and nutrition message and this raw food message. And he was one of those people that just kind of popped up in the community that I resonated with. And ever since we had been good friends, but we hadn't talked in many years. He had been busy doing his work. I've been busy doing mine. And just recently before, right before we decided to get on the call to do this interview, I noticed online that he had just released a brand new book called Sweet Healing. And that was the moment I I just took it as an opportunity to reach out to him and say, hey, you know, I just want to catch up with you. And I noticed that you have this new amazing looking book out. And I would love for you to come on to my podcast and share your story and share share the exploration into what this book is all about. And I really had no idea – the content of the book. Um, that's partly why I wanted to bring him on. But through this through this conversation, very immediately, it just rekindled some of those uh, old feelings that I had um, whenever I'd be around Michael because he has this really great, calm, um, tranquil <clears throat> energy about him, and he's very, very knowledgeable. He has worked alongside 
people like Dr. Gabriel Cousins, who uh, you may have noticed we had on the show on episode 53. I really highly, highly recommend that you go back to that and listen to it if you have not. But Michael is a wealth of information. But what's unique about Michael is that it doesn't appear to me that he focuses as much on the information as per se I might do. He really, you know, he focuses on a lot of the emotional and psycho-spiritual patterns, if you will, or associations that are involved in the human condition as far as health is concerned. And I didn't really expect to go down a certain rabbit hole that we did in this interview, but that's what I love about this interview series is that it's very organic and we really just go wherever the energy takes us. And so Michael's book, Sweet Healing, It was really cool to listen to him explain this book because it's a totally unique context and way of, I guess, um, bringing alive the message of healing and the possibility of reversing disease and living a a vitality-rich lifestyle through the means of creating a storyline. And I thought that was really interesting. It's not as like... It's not an overt, linear kind of information book. It's actually about creating a a story arc, a narrative that helps the reader um, excavate, if you will, their own unique insights into what's going on in their own life, into the solutions that want to be derived through that person's unique experience, which oftentimes we can't really find just by reading a book that gives us like one, two, three, four, five linear kind of instructions. We have to go on a journey. And that's what I loved about hearing um, the explanation about this book. It takes you on a journey. And this interview took us both on a journey and will undoubtedly take you on a journey into the sweet science and the art of healing through Michael Bedard's incredible kind of perspective and his brand new book. And really, I think this is going to piece together some aha moments for you if you've been going through a challenging time, whether that be your health, that be um, perhaps relationships, that be some kind of thing that you want to pattern interrupt or you want to um, bring a little more uh, harmony to in your life. I think this interview is going to touch you on a deep level. So it's my honor and pleasure to bring on my good friend and colleague, Michael Bedar. Enjoy. Michael Bedar is the co-director of the East Bay Healing Collective in Berkeley, California, author, filmmaker most known for Simply Raw, and a researcher, writer, coach on wellness-related solutions to prevent and recover from inflammation in degenerative health conditions. Bedar's multifaceted support in his novel based on nutrition and natural being science helps you realize that whether in eating, relationships, or emotional life, deepening your presence is a key that can foster healthy habits and life-changing transformations that so many people seek. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ronnie. Hello. Good afternoon. Aloha. Yeah, it's it's amazing over here in Kauai. Um I have you on my 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 deck that's overseeing this huge like incredible landscape. So the vibes are high and they're set for our conversation. Oh, that's wonderful. I feel that. I'm here in Berkeley myself on the beginning of my tour. Yeah, and you know, this brings up uh something. You know, we haven't talked in years and I remember when I first got started with the whole speaking circuit and going to potlucks and giving these talks and first putting out my first book and just getting started on this path. And I remember you were right there in those beginning phases. We haven't talked in years. I know you've been up to some amazing things. What what have you been up to in those last, like, I don't know, four or five years? Well, first I want to say it's good to reconnect with you. And I'm also particularly grateful that, that Rudy resuggested we get back in touch. Mm, so, um, good old Rudy. Absolutely. To uh, sum up what I've been up to, uh, I've been most focused on um, the impact that my book can make on people. For the last three years, I've been writing and editing it um, based on another five years of research for my master's thesis 
at the Cousins School. And being out on tour with it has um, really connected me to the impact of the author-reader relationship mm. that I never really knew what that would feel like. And it's, it's amazing. What, what is, can we uh, elaborate on that a little bit? I'm really curious what that looks like. Um, well, since people look to what I've put down um, as both perhaps um, salvaging their health and their life, and they look for the character development for entertainment, since my book is a parable, it's written to be a page-turner. It reads like a thrilling novel, uh, and the characters develop in the um, realistic yet high-vibe way that I've been priv- privileged to see in my coaching and teaching life. So um, the impact that happens is both engagement and entertainment, mm. even a level of you know, edge-of-your-seat suspense about what's going to happen, how are these characters going to actually make it to their goals, which are seeing their grandkids grow up and being there for their family and uh, being independent of pharmaceutical drugs that are unnecessary for them and living a balanced, whole, uh, ecstatic, healthy life. They look for those answers and they also see the character development being the underlying the substrate of achieving those goals. And when they read it in fiction um, from the basis that I'm able to write it from, it really moves them and they're able to um, map themselves to the realism mm. of the character development. Michael, that is so amazing. I, I just hearing you explain it, I just got these goosebumps because, you know, so much of the health work, if not all of it, really all the health literature and all the books are really one dimensional in the way that, you know, me too, like we're giving you strategies, we're giving you explanations, but it's not like we're not really always telling a story. And so what I get from what you just said is that you're basically telling the story, or this is my interpretation, you're telling a story of what is possible for people, um, you know, from, from living a happier, healthier, and more ecstatic life. Is that, is that correct? That's exactly it. Okay, nice. Um, I was actually recently speaking at an expo, and one really dear lady sitting in the front row said to me, so basically, Michael, you're saying change your story change your life. <laughs> I said, not only did I say yes, uh, I also realized that I wanted to look up where that phrase has been used before. And I recently, <laughs> I found the author of that book and he and I are now in a dialogue, which is great. So yeah, um, when we deliver a story for people, it gives them way more access. And in fact, um, this recent um, fMRI study shows the brain integrating knowledge and information just came out about how so much more of our nervous system is attuned to information when it comes through us in a story, whether we're listening or even telling the story, we're engaging with the knowledge and the the how to much more fully. So, um, when we have a narrative in our life that says one thing is reality, we can, like I said, map a, a higher, more whole, um, reality onto what we believe to be the true story of our own lives and set our goals accordingly. Mm, That is really well put. It makes me think of Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey and how that archetype is so interwoven with all the dynamics of day-to-day life and somebody finding their, you know, their path, you know, finding their dharma on that, that becoming of your own hero. And so that really touches me in a real deep way. And I, I really love that there's actually neurological studies to or for accelerated learning that are correlating this, that when you do wrap up information in a, a story arc of sorts, it captivates people. And then I guess they're they're like the the I don't know if you call it like the reticular activating system, whatever they're they're that thing is that's filtering in certain information that that person may have a bias towards, it kind of loosens up and they become more available to the totality of what you're sharing. I like how you said that, loosening up. Because in Sweet Healing, A Whole Health Journey, that's the title of my my first current book release, the characters are written to be very gritty. They're actually, um, in order to make 
the, uh, themselves open up and loosen their older habits, there's some real identification with those older habits that have to happen. I mean, the book, the characters um, relate <laughs> to habits that everyone who seeks health probably already has. They're not Pollyanna already doing the healthy practices type of character. They're characters that people who um, maybe haven't put attention on their health and wellness before can relate to. And the discussions often happen amongst people who have other interests. They might like cars. In fact, Gene in my book, Sweet Healing, really likes to talk about baseball and cars. Hmm. Um, but because there's other people who have already um, have mentorship relationship with Gene, they, they come down to the level. They, they, they speak about cars and baseball enough to then say, hey, have you looked at the metaphor that there is in what you already love and what you already know for your body, for principles of health and wellness? You can apply, and you're actually an example of that, Ronnie, because I know you, you come from an athletic background and you, you applied the wisdom you got from what you already like mm. viscerally loved to do and have applied that, if my understanding is correct, to your, to your public life in, in health and education. Oh, absolutely. You, you hit it right on the nail right there because I, you know, a quick, a quick little story about that to, to even qualify that even further. When I first went to my very first David Wolf longevity conference, now we're talking like half a decade ago or longer, and that's when I really got inspired about what my vision could be, what my role as far as like, what am I doing in this whole raw food community anyways? Like, what's the point of this for me? Um, because I came from being like an elite athlete and my, my identity, if you will, was built around that world. So it was quite a shift that I had to make and figure out like, what, okay, what am I actually doing here? And so anyways, long story short, I remember meeting David Wolf and, um, I was sitting down with him and I was, I was kind of blasting him because I had the same insight that you're telling me. I was like, it's so amazing. I basically transferred all the energy and dedication and discipline and focus that I had in my athletic life and I transferred it over to this and I'm sitting here writing a book the same way I'd be in the gym for hours. So, um, I really, I really like how you said that. And for everyone listening, I think this is going to be incredibly uh, insightful because, you know, and I'll, I'll hand this back over to you. Um, one of the things that I, I realize is that our life is not negative or positive. It's all just neutral content, right? Like our past experiences, if we can look at it as like content, then we can use the content of our life for what we want to create in our life instead of living from the past and recreating the same thing. That's beautifully said. Um, Gene and Hope um, have the content of they're, they're, they're dedicated. Gene is a dedicated husband to Hope. Hope is a dedicated wife to Gene. They're both dedicated to um, concluding their their careers on a positive note, mm-hmm. moving into retirement, and they're dedicated to being parents. So these are what they've already so you know you could say have mastery in, um, and when. The, uh, the explanation for their symptoms finally occur to them, and there's this um, quite dramatic uh, entr- entrance of the, the diagnosis that he receives, which is, which is type 2 diabetes. Um, yeah, they, they really pull, as you said, um, on what they've already gained. He is an, um and she is an electrician and a dedicated retiring wildlife biologist um, and a dedicated mother. And together, they pull on what they know about electricity, respectively, and, and trees and wildlife to begin to um, be available to learning how to apply what they know to their own body. And like you said, spending that, putting that focus on what will help them uh, rebalance, realign themselves. And then when they, once they commit to that, you know, Harvard has a study that says uh, the four stages to lasting change are deciding what your goal is, putting your heart and full commitment into that goal, having a physical space where that goal and it's, the practices necessary for that goal mm-hmm. can take place in, mm-hmm. and arranging life circumstances mm-hmm. to, um, to facilitate those practices. 
Um, so they've set, they, they, they finally set their goal. You know, they want to live a long, healthy life and, and be free from uh, the limiting medical system when it's not necessary. They know that they're committed to it from the, from the point of love, of love for their family and love for life itself. Um, the physical place, both externally, you know, the places where they shop, the kitchen, where they eat, um, and where they exercise and where they walk, and also the inner spaces, like where in their body, uh, where, what system of their body you know, can they pay attention to along the stages of their healing. And finally, arranging life circumstances. Arranging the physical the, and also the time where they can actually commit to times where they're going to be uh, practicing and um, bringing people into their lives who are going to facilitate rather than hinder their goals. And I didn't know about this Harvard study when I wrote Sweet Healing, but it turns out all four of those stages occur. And um, some of the ways they learn about how to create from commitment, move into physical space and circumstances that support them, uh, the mentorship is attracted to them. People come out of the woodwork mm-hmm. to offer them help. And then even the, the universe seems to give them mysterious clues, physically discover, and each, each clue gets decoded and they implement that into their lives as it works for them. So I really liked how, how Harvard's idea of lasting successful change maps onto the, the sweet healing whole health journey. That's really fascinating because as you're telling the story or this, this particular part in the overall story, it maps or it reflects so much of reality. You know, you're telling the story about real people and real circumstances and how they're able to actually apply these very practical tips that obviously have a scientific bearing, but they're just really commonsensical from my perspective. So that actually makes it more interesting to know that there's, there is like a, a formula, I guess, that's been discovered. Um, but to me, I'm like, wow, that's like really commonsensical information. And again, I find it so cool that you're able to, to create a storyline that, that, you know, even listening to you, I'm picking it up even more. I'm like, whoa, that like seems even more real to me somehow. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I, I do. This is my question though. Um, as you're talking about this and obviously you made diabetes, uh, a focal point at some level, you worked extensively with Dr. Gabriel Cousins at one point, correct? Correct. Yes, I did. He, he has been a teacher. Yeah, and I just had him on a, la- a week ago, and you know what an amazing conversation. But I'm curious, how did your experience working at the Tree of Life and working with Dr. Cousins influence the narrative, I guess, for this book? In, in quite a few ways. Um, I, uh, let's see. Going, like, maybe the simplest way to put it is I, whenever I think about that period of my life, I remember connecting the um, the level of consciousness that we operate at to the uh, what's manifesting uh, globally and societally and culturally, um, and uh, I uh, I found myself feeling very much empowered as both an individual and and the member of humanity and a member of a, of small groups of common interest of humanity too um, to to contextualize healing within the framework of um, yeah, awakening to the, the, a fuller sense of um, holistic consciousness on, on many levels. Um, I also want to just thank Dr. Cousins and also thank his master's program and fellow students. It was actually uh, a fellow student named Mike Chait who, on, upon our graduation with a master's in spiritual nutrition, actually suggested to me, he said, Michael, You've helped make Simply Raw the documentary on reversing diabetes. You've worked at the Tree of Life and been a facilitator for years with Dr. Cousins' leadership here. You have your master's thesis graduation, which has your thesis was about um, a survey on how um, people who achieve different levels of, of, um, of fulfillment in their health outcomes when they are diagnosed with diabetes according to certain personality uh, traits and qualities such as proactivity and agency and emotional honesty. You really understand how the emotions and the characteristics of, of human awareness relate to fulfilling and healthy choices. So, Michael, you're in a position to not only publish your book at, in knowledge and your thesis, but to also make a story out of it. 
And if you can do that, you'll actually really impact a lot more people. That was his faithful statement to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when he said that to me, I um, didn't take long to realize that I, I was fully on board with that path. So, um, so I thank the Tree of Life for helping me realize that um, what, we, what we face in, in preventable diseases is, um, as Dr. Cousins says, a, uh, well, it's an issue of, of um, deeply loving, loving life and loving ourselves. And it's an issue of um, a culture that, re- that reflects uh, life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really broadened my idea of healing beyond uh, what's too popular out there at this point, but it's starting to become much more popular. And before you got, um, uh, you started working with the Tree of Life. What was your what was your healing path like before then? Because everybody has some sort of catalyst that brings them onto a path like this. So I'm curious, like what what was your I guess your awakening into this culture? I had a great awakening, and uh, I think. Maybe I'm doing the service I'm doing from uh, from something quite tied to that. Um, I, I I came from circumstances that uh, in my teens that left me uh, overextended and uh, really looking outward for for legitimization of myself. Mm. Um, and I think they had everything to do with um, every you know you know ways i lived you know growing up as a, as a as a preteen uh habits i'd formed from television from family from uh you know my family was a mixed bag i and it still is i i love my family they uh they 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 taught me a lot of things my dad loved to garden and we we ate a lot of fruit actually but uh i i also um i developed a sense of looking looking for achievements in some sort of um outer sense to be my validation. And that, that lasted uh, until, interestingly, I met uh, David Wolf and David Jubb at the same time at a certain <laughs> event in San Diego. Yeah. What a combo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, after that day, I, I uh, started eating uh, all whole live foods. And um, I had, ever since sports, I'd actually applied meditation into my. Uh, my practice in, in baseball and basketball. So when I saw the combination of like, of how much more I could b- become awakened and also feel physically free and good and, and then be interested enough in what was happening energetically to turn around and say, you know, where does validation come from? It comes from, comes from being authentic with myself. Mm. Um, and I began to really pull out of that, that dependency on the outer circumstances to feel validated. Um, that's a little bit of psycho jargon right there, but, but it, it led to um, a, a, a pretty strong commitment to living in a way that, uh, you know, Dr. Cousins has these ideas of the six foundations that really uh, work for me. And then with Mike Chait and his suggestion about, um, my writing, there was this idea of the seven foundational practices of, of whole health. Um, and, uh, yeah, when I realized healing the body and healing the mind fit together so well. Mm. Yeah, and I think that psycho jargon that you referred to is extremely important. It's extremely important. And it's a big thing that I focus my work on is the integration of the two ideas of you are what you think about and you are what you eat and actually bringing them together and seeing what happens if we think in a really empowering way and we, we reprogram our mind and we also feel good in our body. That's been my thing when I got started. I was like, wow, there's so many conversations in the personal development world, and it's all psychological based, or so much of it anyways, but they're missing like that, that key health and nutrition piece of it. But then I also saw in the raw food world, and, and just, I don't want to pick on the raw food world, the whole nutrition world was hyper-focused on the analytics of food and nutrition, but they almost like were making food their god. And so I was like, wow, this is really like, these are great ideas, but we need a unification. We need to bring all these pieces together. And that's what it sounds like you've been doing. Well, yeah, that seems to be the emerging zeitgeist now. And uh, for those that are, that are interested and, um, 
yeah. Um, you, know, there, you know, even there's. I'll tell you something. In, in Sweet Healing, there's a number of surprising scenes. I think, um, and I, I love it because I can tell what the seven foundational practices are without giving anything away. Because even though that's the end of the book, it's not the. It's not. The story's benefit is in the journey itself. You know, the yes. this single step within the journey that really makes the transitional difference. You know, and and presence to the moment where you are in your journey is itself um, a contained form of vitality. Mm. When you can be present to exactly where you are emotionally, mentally, and physically. Um, like I said, looking for validation to get somewhere doesn't always actually give you the boost that you need. But if you just accept where you are. It, it, it opens up freedom to say, hey, that's where I am. And there may be somewhere I want to go, but I really feel where I am, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the scenes in Sweet Healing is actually a death scene. You know, there, there's a positively achieved dying. Um, and so I don't even make healing my God um, in, <laughs> in, my, in my writing, you know. <laughs> and I wanted people to know that. Like, there, it's written... To understand that we live in a cycle, we, we will all physically die. And um, it's not only about length of life, but quality thereof. And um, the, the poignancy of, of coming to terms with, with a good death uh, actually reflexively surges a lot of force back into the remaining character's life. And uh, I, I'm, I'm proud of, of that part of, of Sweet Healing. I love that. That's really powerful. Yeah, it's not about the quantity of life. It's all about the quality because the one thing we do know is that life is short, right? That's what everyone tells us at the towards the end of their life, um, that it goes by quicker and quicker. But um, it's about how you lived, and we don't know how short life is going to be, so why don't we start living fully now without there having to be some kind of destination or checkpoint when we feel good enough? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an, it's a it's a great paradox uh, to to realize to realize that uh, any any moment could be your last, um, but it can also be your any moment can be your greatest and your worst. It's all in it's all in uh, consciousness. So I'm curious. Um, you know, taking it back probably to the Tree of Life chapter, you know, I'm curious how these metaphors line up with your experience of seeing people from all different backgrounds. Obviously, people go there a lot of times because they're in a healing crisis and they have to change things. And so I'm curious um, how some of these metaphors have been revealed to you in the experiences of watching people change their life. Huh. Well... Um, let's see what we're, I mean, when you, when you when you ask me about my metaphors, um, are you referring to the ones that, um, well, we I, just- I guess I'm being a little, I'm, it's a, it's a non-specific question. I guess it's just to, to flush out what some of your experiences have been witnessing people go through their journey and what comes up with them, um, maybe even on the psychological or emotional level. Yeah. Um, well, you know, one thing is um, people go through. It's true, like a le- levels of um, of shock and denial. Mm. Um, and uh, if you can just, and, and then that that can lead to dissociation if it's not integrated. If you don't say yes, you know, my choices or my life has led me to this point, and I accept it. Like, I, I don't think they'd go to the tree of life. You know, I think. There'd be there'd be about thirty million people at the tree of life instead of um, thirty <laughs> maximum. <laughs> if everyone could actually say, you know what, something about my the way I've been walking in, on Earth has led me here. So I always was grateful and didn't take it for granted that the people who I have gotten the chance to work with privately and at the tree of life all had enough uh, wherewithal to really stand out from the crowd and say, ah, I've gotten here by some uh, design or by some uh, destiny that makes a little bit of sense, if I can just look at my path, mm. open my eyes. So that step is really important. Um, you know, otherwise, we'd all be speaking to a million people every day and helping, helping us all uh, on a much accelerated level. So um, 
once once there's like this acknowledgement that something has happened, I think that uh, I, I think it goes back to that level of presence and um, vulnerability to say uh, there's going to be have this there's going to be something I'm going to voluntarily let go of here in order to move forward. Um, and it, like the characters in Sweet Healing, all have a sort of a a humbling where their their mind is able to get uh, quieter in a space where there'd been a, a repeating noise. And uh, in that quiet space, they can say, okay, what what new tastes and habits am I willing to adapt here? And uh, whether you use like formal quiet mind practice like meditation or you let it come to you sort of more fluidly and intuitively, um, you know, those moments after acceptance and presence with where you're at, so you don't want the denial type of quiet mind, but the the uh, the present and accepting kind of quiet mind. It, it takes a, hum- uh, a humbleness. Um, so this kind of, uh, of of a state I write about in my characters uh, is where the support just just comes tumbling in in droves. Mm, does it kind of uh, maybe we're giving out a little too much? I'll, I'll say it this way. It appears to me that there is some sort of pattern where somebody goes from where they were to where they are going or where they can go. And there seems to be this pattern when you switch lanes, um, things don't necessarily get super easy right away, right? Like there's a bit of a stumbling and and falling around. Things are kind of seemingly breaking down or whatever the thing is. Um, And people are challenged. And then only at a certain point in that journey do all the synchronicities start to come through, the right people start to come through to support you and to help lead you to the next step? Yeah, I mean, challenge is part of living. And, uh, you know, without a challenge, you're probably um, holding yourself back if you don't feel challenged. And um, Mm. that was a common thing, you know, just uh, having those breakdowns to break through. It's a slogan, but it... um, it's essential to to um to feel like you're sometimes you know the sandpaper like quality of life for a while <laughs> yeah i mean it, i mean that that's it's very dramatically portrayed in sweet healing uh that there's definitely some uh, wake up call that uh one has a choice to listen to or go into denial you know it's up to you you can you can choose to uh really uh, grab the message and make it yours or, or to wait for the next uh, the next challenge. Oh, that was interesting. Okay, so grab the message and make it yours. So, in other words, taking ownership of your life. Yeah. Mm. This is... All right, indulge me for a minute here. Um, so, in that idea, that's something, as an entrepreneur, I... And, um, all the kind of self-development information I've ever been exposed to, that's one of the things that stuck with me is that you take full responsibility or you take ownership of your life. And I feel like everybody really on some level gets that or they, they aspire for that. But then at some level, we feel at effect of circumstances. We're being pulled in different directions. Um, what is, or actually this is, this is the question, um, from your experience or maybe just if you have any insights about this, what do you feel stops a lot of people from really taking full ownership? Um, you know, sometimes it's very basic and nuts and bolts, Ronnie. Sometimes it's, um, trying to do it all on your own. I mean, as much as we say, (laughs) it's a paradox again, as much as we say it's, uh, our own responsibility, 100%, um, the, the unit of transformation is very often, uh, people who live together. It's not always the individual, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, calling, you know, at the, at the same time as taking responsibility um, and doing that kind of work, you know, journaling down your goals and really trying to digest the meaning of what's happened to you and what, what lies in front of you. Um, at the same time as that, um, you know, we can still be, we can still be rugged and paying attention while letting other people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I make a point to emphasize that that uh, family, neighbors, strangers, uh, people that you you strive with and work with, 
can all become, you know, we all have so many commonalities beyond getting a paycheck or, or, uh, or vote, voting for the government together. Like we, we're here to heal with, with one another. And, um, I, I think, uh, a pitfall of not taking responsibility is also, is like, is, is not accounting for the amount of support there is around you. Mm. Wow. So having the humility to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a great segue into an area that I know you focus on a lot, which is relationships. And you kind of laid out a little bit about it right there. And I feel like relationships are the life force of everything. You have a relationship with, with everyone or everything around you in some way or another. So I, th- I feel like when we start to take account of those relationships and take responsibility for how we show up in the relationships, then things just tend to flourish. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've had my successful and my unsuccessful relationships, as we all have. Um, and, you know, I, I, I call one on myself a lot with people I'm in a relationship with, oh, how I did this, or I need to really tell you, I'm, I have to change what I told you. And it doesn't mean I lied to you. It just means that I have to read, report to you, and, and like update my experience right now. Um, and when I when I can do that and be like, hey, I, I know this might be hard to hear or whatever, but when I, I do it for I do it for the for the deepening of the intimacy, like because I do it with care for the person who I'm I'm talking to, um, and I, but I want to show up to them like really authentically. So, um, you know, I just mean to say, to slow down again, like, I, I, I feel so intimate with somebody who I can say, you know, listen, I'm, 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 I'm a, oh, gosh, I, I sometimes fail to express myself and I want to do better. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe we can get this conversation rolling again. What, what do you think? Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful, and it's it's. I mean, you're really a living demonstration of what we're talking about that that ability to be vulnerable um, with another person. I feel like that's one of the the things that is really um, holding a lot of people back. And I know from my experience that definitely rings true. And and yeah, just to that point, like how how important do relationships feel? in terms of um, the rest of our life, you know, that could be the success of something, that could be our, our health and well-being, you know, where do relationships fit with that? Mm. Well, I have, a, I have actually sort of a mentor in San Francisco named Erwan, Devon, and uh, he has a, he says, you know, he's been a Zen person, he's lived alone, he's lived with, oh, he's married now, he's lived in a monastery, uh, he directed a yoga ashram, and he, he feels it's kind of like this. Uh, the, the number one priority in life is being itself, being and and uh, your your spiritual presence, maybe with God or with being itself. Um, number two is actually you know your most important relationship or relationships, and then like work and career is like three, and um, everything else is it fills in the gaps. Um, <clears throat> And, uh, you know, some people are more work-focused and some people are more relationship-focused and some people break that down by gender and say that, like, <laughs> a man's work is primary and a woman's relationship is primary. I don't know about that. I, I've, um, I, I love working, but I, I certainly um, feel more fulfilled when I have relationship right up there. Right, so you're not working at the expense of your relationship. Yeah, I'm working to nourish my relationships, right? Yeah, wow, that's really beautiful. Um, I feel, as a man, um, that a lot of my motivations, getting getting a little bit older, are more for those yin and nutritive kind of qualities in terms of, like, why do I want a successful business? Why do I want to be successful in my work? A lot of it is because I really care about the preservation of... Um, of the quality of life of people and that's a feminine quality it's a procreative quality so that for me is actually me tapping into the quote-unquote feminine archetype within me and then I notice that I surround myself with women um, even in my business so I'm taking a lot of counsel from women and those are those are relationships so it's kind of interesting like 
it really is all woven together. Like the intention or motivation that I have to to quote unquote work, a lot of it is fueled by the female archetype. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the female. The female. If I can just speak, speak for the female for a second, it, yes. it seems like it. It. It has a juice. A uh, ability to sort of in, to uh, maybe instigate and initiate and kind of uh, inspire um, movement from from love uh, in the masculine, and um, we we are incredible um, as a masculine. We, we're in, we seem to be incredible um, responders to that to that. Uh, mm particular feminine energy. Um, so, I mean, that can go in thousands of different directions and we can talk about all around that. And, but um, well, No, you just said something really interesting. I want to touch on this for a second. I, by the way, all this is highly irrelevant and it's a really amazing conversation. Um, so you just said that there's a, the quality of the masculine. Um, there is a quality to respond to that feminine juice. And I just realized like from a human design perspective, like um, for a lot of like ambitious men out there that are really go, go, go. I find for me, sometimes actually the work is to just sit back and then, and wait for the opportunity to respond to something and then give it all I got instead of me trying to get up in the morning and pile through things because I need to stay busy. Hmm. Interesting. So waiting to respond because you're not so rather than piling on things to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. How do you how do you find the results to differ with when you do that? I guess it's it's um, the more intuitive I get and the more um, clear I get through my meditation. Um, it's it's just more of a dynamic that. I don't necessarily mean to say that I just respond to circumstances to initiate. I may have things to do, but I'm not jumping on it from an overly um, assertive place where it's like, okay, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. It's more of like I'm inspired to do something like that. Inspiration is a, is a way that I can respond, right? It's not me just mentally trying to like, get a to-do list done. There's things that need to be done, but I want to be able to do it with a sense of grace. Yeah. And, and you can feel that it, like in our body when we're inspired, it's, right. an, actual, it's an actual sensation. Um, and, uh, hope and gene have that, that, um, that battery going on in sweet healing. And then their, their, their child, um, Jim and his sweetheart, Dana, they have, their own battery going on and intergenerationally, you know, grandparent to parent to, uh, in the future of the next volume of sweet healing, it's going to be more about, uh, Don, sorry, uh, Jim and Dana's kids, the, the third generation. Um, they're all re prioritizing it and putting not only your creative work in the world up there at your highest priority, but also the, the wellness of those you love in your circle and intergenerationally high up there in your priorities. Um, and that's a message we kind of need to hear because of the, uh, the, the new era we're, we're living in. We're, we're, we've forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, take a deep breath for that for a second. Oh, that's powerful. Um, so, okay, this was really interesting that you said you, you used the word battery. So now when I think of that, I think of a physical motor that keeps things going. We might think of the adrenal glands, right, <laughs> as that battery. So um, what are some of the ways that you've found, whether obviously some of, the, some of the nutritional things or the lifestyle activities that you've learned to actually help us keep that inspiration meter going or uh, motor going? Oh, wow. Um, well, um for sure, the outdoors. You mentioned at the very first opening of this interview that you were overlooking a vista of, of nature. Um, I've been going hiking twice a week, and uh, that that keeps me in balance like like nothing else, and it's inspired just by the existence of this planet. Um, 
And often I do, like yesterday I did my meditation near a river. Um, but, you know, there's walking in nature to get through it and there's walking in nature to really be. Um, and um, remember, the whole planet is nature. You can be in the middle of New York City and in a way you're still in nature. So um, bringing, you know, your, your breath, the very existence of your diaphragm and your lungs and your sit bones themselves are all nature. Um, so by being present with yourself, you're, you're being present with, you know, four and a half billion years of the evolution of nature. So, <laughs> um, and you know, it, 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 it yearns like a battery, like, like our, the reason vitamin, you know, we know we make vitamins from being in the sun. Like we yearn to reunite with as close to the source as embodied in nature as possible. Mm. That's, you know, that's how we, fresh air vitalizes us and the sunshine vitalizes us and water that's the purest can vitalize us because, you know, like I said, our, our own cells that we can be present with through sitting quietly or doing our yoga practice, it, it, it responds like, like the negative pole to a positive pole mm. to return to, to our sources of, of nat- natural vitality in nature, in food, in the sun, in, in the wind, in the water. You know, you uh, keep dropping these great little jewels. Um, one of the, the keys of my work, or I should say keys, the, one of the, the, the philosophies that I'm always, I'm always guiding my work by is creating endogenous production of our chemistry, our mm. hormones, our neurochemistry, our, our microbiome, and how that forms so much of the brain chemicals and neurology and so on and so forth. And so it's so fascinating for me, um, you know, just even on the hormone topic, because you have two sides of the coin. You have like synthetic hormone replacement therapy, and some of it's coming from like pregnant horses and the most goobity gop weird thing human beings can conjure up, right? You have that side of it. And then you have the other side of actually just attuning your, your body to the elements and to food that comes from the elements in some natural siphon, um, cycle, and that helps you produce your own inner chemistry opposed to having to go outside and, and supplement yourself like crazy and get all these outside things to fill a deficiency when your body ideally is like a free energy generating device. Huh, wow, that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> and, you, and you know this when you've done a fast, right? Like you fast for a while and you realize like, oh, this is fascinating. Like I'm not hungry. I don't feel like I need anything. There must be something else going on underneath the surface. Yeah, I, I know the word, but could you say a little more about endogenous? Yeah, so, so endogenous meaning um, from within. So to produce your own, in this context, to produce your own... Um, vitamins and essential fatty acids and proteins, all that kind of thing, right? Your own yeah. hormones. And then exogenous would be like hormone replacement therapy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to, um, to like just keep, keep uh, nourishing and surrounding our bodies and our lives in an environment where we're going to let that endogenous process work at its best. Maybe another word could be co-endogenous because there, when you yes. do it, like I said, right. in a group, when there's a social, when there's relationships involved, and uh, joy and love and that battery we talked about, oh. maybe we're not only endogenous but co-endogenous with those close to us. Totally right. Like when you have a smile, you sharing a smile, and that it stimulates a smile from the other person. So it's like, it, yeah, it's a co-exist. It's it, yeah, that's funny. Interesting way to play on the words co-endogenous. Like. So if I'm feeling good or some or maybe I'm not feeling so good but the person in front of me is smiling that catalyzes a reaction in my body and motivates me to be happier. Exactly. Exactly. Um that that's that's a big theme that I I've discovered um I've li- I've lived now in both alone with uh, one person and with uh, communities of uh some numbers of people and uh I'm really fascinated by the, our group dynamics. I mean, we, we evolved as tribal, and um, we certainly have that community response to one another. And I spent some time setting the setting not only as land itself in sweet healing, but also land described specifically 
as the sacred and vital grounds of of a family's life, um, where they they go with knowingly or not knowingly, and uh, oftentimes it was not knowingly, but we go to keep that. Uh, we can say co-endogenous intrinsic cycle going at at a higher level. Mm, I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh man. What uh, I I have a follow up question as the conclusion here, but I want to. Um, I I feel like I want to ask you. Um, if there's any specific, let's even say, it's kind of funny even bringing this up on the tail end of this, um, are there any specific nutrients or things that you've found in your experience to be very helpful for that that process of somebody that may be in a, what we would call a depressive state, somebody that is not doesn't seem to be able to motivate themselves um, or even in a group setting, there's certain nutritional things that you found to really help people come into more balance. Um, we want to keep, I mean, stop working against yourself. And that would be by taking out the artificial, artificial sweeteners, artificial um, products and, and processed materials. Um, the, the so-called food like substances. Um, Cause I mean, that's just anti endogenous, if you will. Um, then, uh, you know, specific nutrients, um, well, um, uh, I'm a big fan of greens. Um, I also, um, have found, the, um, the distillates of certain forest mushrooms to be incredibly beneficial on, on, on many levels. Uh, you know, the maitake and the reishis and the cordyceps and the Chagas and these kinds of mushrooms have uh, they they're they're available in easy liquid or, or capsule distillations now and uh, those those just have something really special in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, another thing that came to me just because it's it's so vitalizing. I mean, it, aloe vera juice just just does something amazing. Yes, for, for soothing and as much as we want to, uh, like I said, getting motivated and the body sort of the body mind is sort of maybe depressive. But um, some of that is like the disguise of inflammation. When we're inflamed, uh, it actually can manifest as being suppressed um, because the function isn't there. And maybe inside you're struggling. So the soothing aspect from both a a no-processed foods diet and low-sugar diet plus things that are soothing, such as aloe vera, can actually then like make that movement to get your your intrinsic energetics going again much more smooth um, by soothing yourself. Wow, that's uh, that's so cool. So <clears throat> by soothing your joints and your your ligaments and your intestinal tract and and reducing the inflammatory fire, it ath- it actually can have a soothing effect on somebody's personality. Yeah, and I, I find that to be true for me. Every time I, I I'm really good. With, with my diet, including, especially in the warmer times, including aloe juice and just a diet that's really, really low inflammation, then things seem just easier. I'm soothed and I can, uh, I can respond to what I'm inspired to that much more sensitively. Yeah, I, I love it. So if you want to be happier, then eat happier food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, as we're reaching the top of the hour, as they say, what is the what is from your book from this conversation? What is the like? What is a final message you'd love to get across to people? Well, a final message is keep listening to Ronnie and Jim <laughs> <laughs> Um And um, I mean, I, 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 uh, final message makes it sound like there's some sort of uh, ultimate gem uh, that uh, <laughs> I can drop here. I. I um, life's a journey and uh, there's going to be all kinds of landscapes in front of you to walk um, I'm every day both uh, both uh, exhilarated and um, intimidated by, by the life that we get to live here mm. and um, for those who are particularly concerned about their health or um, awakened to the, the, what's possible for them or a loved one um, 
I feel like thanks to the mentors and teachers I've had, the experiences at the Tree of Life with mentors that we've mentioned and those that we haven't yet mentioned, um, and some of my interests in in uh, inspirational story weaving over the course of my life, I hope that that I can have por- um, created and portrayed in Sweet Healing a whole health journey, a, a window into opportunity for you that helps you walk forward. Mm, excellent. So where can everyone get this book? ReadSweetHealing.com. Uh, you'll be able to get a ebook or a paper book um, from readsweethealing.com and see the videos. And I'll be around the country. So wherever you are, um, there's a chance you'll see the tour dates there as well. Mm, fantastic. I'm definitely picking up a copy of this book right when we get off this call. I'm going to order my copy because I could use a good page turner. And this sounds like the, you know, the, the right fit for me and for everyone else listening. If you've listened up to this point, you obviously are into this conversation. So take it as a cue from the universe through this podcast. Get your copy right now. Beautiful. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you for, for listening. <laughs> My pleasure. And for all of you, thank you for listening and tuning in to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. It's my honor, my joy, and my passion to bring these to you. And until next time, aloha. 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 <laughs>